Welcome to Live from Lake Balboa Podcast. I'm Eddie Wasserman. Thank you guys for joining us for our very special Baker 3 episode. We are joined here by Dylan Cronengold for a very special reason after the Waiters of 2021 shattered the record of the Mako 3 shooting and combined 16 shots. Chronic, you were here for a special reason. Why? Because back in 2019, you shot the Mako 3 and 3. I, I shot some free throws back in my day. I uh, practiced for a little bit beforehand and uh, got out there and shot some, shot some free throws. So obviously, 2019, when you shot, it was incredible. The Waiters of 2019 broke the record at the time of shooting the Baker 3 in a combined 19 shots amongst the four shooters. And that record two days ago was absolutely shattered yep. by the current Waiters. They shot a combined total of 16 to recap how it went down. Noodle shot in six going make, make, miss, make, make, make. We'll get to how difficult that is in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Strauss, who was a surprise winner of the three, hit it in three. Javi Pellet, who's been money all summer long, shot it in three. And then yeah, Grant Panzer missed his first there. shot and shot it in four. So that's a combined total of 16. And Chronic, I think when we shot it in 19 as a waiter bunk, there was a consensus that, you know, it's gotten lower every summer. And, I mean, for over the last few years, it keeps getting lower and lower. And people are getting more precise. There's more practice, more training, all yeah. that type of stuff. And 19 seemed like it was really low. And then it went down to 16, and it felt weird, but it almost felt expected. Like, you watch them keep making it in practice, and at some point, it's almost the expectation now that if you don't shoot it in five or six, it's almost a bad score. Right. It's Yeah. It's starting, you're you're definitely expected to go under 10, I think. Right. Which... Which wasn't even true eight or nine years ago. Right, right, right. I, like... Uh, when when I was like very young growing up in camp, like when kids shot it in like ten or twelve, like obviously not as good as the single digits, but it's still like real. Like we were like, oh, like that's a good score. That's yeah. a good score. Like they definitely stayed in the relay yeah. if if not pulled ahead. So yeah. And now, I mean, when you view it in the context of the relay, now it's almost <laughs> like, let's say you shoot it in twelve or thirteen. The other guys are all shooting it low. That's almost now you're hurting right. your team by shooting it. 10, 11, 12, and we didn't see that because everyone else is so focused. And, you know, one of the reasons why I think it's good to bring you on here is because a lot of the older listeners, you actually came on the podcast last summer, 2019, after you guys broke the record. Mm -hmm. And you said at the time, you know, you guys talked about, well, what helped you? It was all summer long practicing on the court. It was the Bruno camp where he helps train you. It was the constant practicing. Even after the shootout, you're practicing all the time. You're skipping your teammates to go practice shooting free throws. That type of thing. And those are all kind of factors in it. And a lot of the older alumni listeners took a lot of offense to the fact that it had become such a big thing. And I think that it's only exemplified further as the number keeps going lower and lower. Like, it's almost like you can't really compare errors because I think at this point you can speak to the prep. Like, take us through, at least for you, like, what, what was that prep like? Because it's not just a random event where you just right. pop on the court and shoot free throws. Right, right. And, well, also, just to go back to uh, what you said about the older listeners, the only thing I would say to counter that is is the way I look at the three and the reason I practice so much is because I, I consider it to be such an unbelievable honor to to do that and then and then go down in Baco history, you're automatically part of the record books. And I saw that as something that I wanted to be a part of for like a very long time. And I told myself going in, like, I know I have nothing to lose, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna work for this. Like I, I want it really bad and and so that that's the only reason why I think that or that's the only counter I would have as to why like 
I practiced so much or yeah. or whatever or how everybody practices so much now. I think everybody just wants to be a part of Baco history. Everybody knows how special that is. Um, and yeah, but about the about the prep, um, my preparation. I never really, um, I never really looked at it like. I'm practicing for the three. Like a couple weeks before, a couple weeks before the shootout, me and and Jr. who was on Blackfeet. Um, I'm sure we can get into his yeah. his story in the shootout later. Yeah, we can. Um, but we were we were just saying like, hey, like you want to go out and like play some rounds of Baco three, just because we genuinely like thought it was like fun right. thing to do. Like we didn't look at it as like, hey, like I'm gonna go out and and practice free throws and get a head start on everybody else. Like we, we legit thought it was like And I'll just say so for some fun. of the older listeners that aren't in camp now, as Olympics approaches now every summer, I mean, you see all the, not all, but a lot of the waiters on the course practicing free throws, playing shootouts for fun, just during rest hour or whatever. And I think that speaks overall to like a larger point of the fact that the Baco 3 is something that's just fun to practice. The same way you play yeah, three ball or knockout or anything you, else. You, you imagine yourself in the moment and like, I don't know. It was it was awesome. I, I it was a lot of the preparation was a lot of visualization for me. I feel I feel like that works out for me a lot. I figured if I could just picture what it would be like the day of looking at the hill, looking at everybody. I feel like if I could picture it now, I feel like that would be a good preparation so that I'm not like caught flat footed day of. Like I look up and and just be startled by how many people there are. So. I think yeah, that that was a big part of my preparation, just visualizing, playing playing out the scenarios. And I do think like the other thing that's important to mention, I think especially I saw it notice it this year, you know, watching the shootout and watching the kids practice. Like these people are amazing free throwers. How many at your peak oh right before how many in a row? How many free throws in a row you hit in practice? I hit. I remember uh, it was pouring rain uh, the day before the relay. And it was evening activity. I remember this pretty vividly. It started to rain and we were all shooting together. And then the other three guys left to I don't remember what they were doing. I think they just I think they just left that I, I saw them leave, they put their balls away, they went somewhere else. And I, I stayed I stayed out in the rain just because I don't know, I, I thought it was fun. Like to just yeah, be out there by myself. It was a pretty peaceful moment. And so in in the rain, I hit fifty in a row. It's unbelievable. And I and I ran up and, and told Jake Schaffman at my team meet and he was like, You're you're a lock for three. And that's the thing that is so interesting to me about the notion of hitting it in three. So Bruno does this camp every year where he trains all the shooters. Um, and you know, it's not like he's giving them advice on like your form, but it's more mentally coaching yeah, yeah, yeah. them. He writes it down. He calls out teams in order different it's a dress orders. Rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal, exactly. Rehearsal. And I, he came up to me beforehand this one, and he said like, "Maddie, like this is the best group I've ever seen." And what's funny is he probably said that last year for you guys too. And I wonder at some point, it's not necessarily random. Like you watch these guys shoot, and you say you hit fifty in a row. I watched Strauss hit. 20 something in a row yeah. and going back in between something he'd yeah. hit three then he'd run back then he hit three again right, run back right, three again right, run back right. and you just watch and like oh my god these three, people nine, are just like it's almost you don't expect them to miss and obviously of course you get your 27 your 28s your meltdowns but it almost feels like it's like advanced analytics kind of coming to the Baco three in terms of people have just gotten more efficient at it and people yeah. are just flat out I think just better free throw shooters 
yeah. in terms of if you're able to win that shootout, I mean, the shootout itself, you pretty much have to hit in three or four to win any round of yeah. the shootout yeah. when you're electing who's going to win the three. Yeah. And I think just generally, if you're able to do that and then you get practice, these guys have so much confidence by the time they get to that right. stage to perform. Right. I mean, we can talk about this. So two straight years. So last year for us in 2019, Teddy went make, make, miss. So yeah. he almost had a shot to many three. Then he yeah. hit his next three to hit his six. Okay. Newell did the same thing last year. In my opinion, I think that's probably the most difficult way to hit it. Uh, just because the d- deflation after going, you had the chance for three and you blow it. Yeah. To yeah. come right back and hit three straight more just speaks really to how hard. automatic it is. Really, really, really hard. I don't, I don't know uh, how I would have reacted if I had missed the first one or, or had gone make, make, miss. Uh, thankfully I didn't, but I don't, I don't know. That is a really, really, really tough thing to do. It's, I, like I've been saying, you like four or six is, They're like, yeah. it, could, it could be more difficult than three. Cause I don't know. Three, three is pretty hard, obviously, because you just, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be perfect. Yeah. Technically. But like, but I think the, it is so much harder on you mentally to go to miss the first one, especially if you like, if you're like an overthinker, like some of these kids are, then, then like if you miss the first one when you're expecting yourself yeah. to hit it in three, it automatically just becomes ten times more difficult. Uh, and for that, I, for that, I really gotta give GP and Noodle props. Yeah. And then the other two. Don't and I think, and this is something perfect. I don't, I don't know if it's happened ever before where two players shooting three. Because you know, even when we came to camp, we yeah, came, it has to have happened before, but not, not, recently. it's not frequent. And oh no, 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 certainly not, not frequent. frequent. But Definitely it almost not. feels, and this is something that I'm trying to articulate. It, I don't want to say it wasn't surprising because it's always like when someone hits it in three. I just felt like it's you, always, know, you a, watch right. these people hit so many free throws in practice, and they're practicing and they're practicing, and you can right. watch all four of them you out figure together. They practicing. make forty in a row in practice, so you figure, oh, they can just get up and hit. And I great. think that mental hurdle is something that is difficult, but it almost feels like at this point you watch people do it again and again. And I'm sure there's going to be a year in the future when it goes back to a way where you know people are hitting it in the tens and twenties and whatever, yeah. but. As a principal, I think it's almost it's like a new generation, and this is the last couple of years where hitting it in three, hitting it in... I mean, all the guys were under six. For yeah. two straight years, six or under. It's crazy. Um, it is crazy. crazy. You had eight shooters between the two waiter bunks, and not one of them went above six. Not a single person messed up. And like when you look at the different trainings that you had to get ready for the three, obviously Bruno came with something. Bruno actually said this to me, and I think it's a good point, or maybe it was Danny. The first round of Bruno camp, like that first time you shoot it with him, is actually probably the closest sim- simulation you get to the three. Right, yeah. When it's the first round, because it really right feels because more you real. get up there and like you, yeah, I, I I would agree. You get up there and it's like your first experience. It's like a new thing. That's like what it is for the real one. Like you're, you're not, like you obviously you watch it in years past and you know what it is, but like you still get up there and it's like a new experience. Were you? So yeah. So like how would you? Round, yeah. Bruno Cap definitely mm. definitely is the most and like it. How would you compare your nerves, your emotions, your energy from when you were actually shooting it to now this year sitting on the hill watching other people shoot it? I was fifty times more nervous this year than than shooting Just crazy. It myself. Um, I would say because like I, if I had gotten up there and shot it and I don't know if I had melted down and, and went super high, I think. 
everybody everybody would have been like, oh, it's he's the hockey kid. It's fine. Yeah. So I I felt like going in, I had nothing to lose. Obviously, like it's still uh, a huge a huge amount of pressure. I remember it. I I um, I came home and I talked to my parents about it, and they were saying how uh, Jesse and Kyle, my brothers, uh, waiters of '08 and '12, they they like they were saying how they couldn't focus in their meetings. And yeah. They had to like. <laughs> Like Kyle, I think went home sick, like midday or some <laughs> something like that, uh, just because they they were way more nervous yeah. than I was. Um, obviously, it's 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 because it's because they care so much, but it, it shows just how like how big it is. Like it it's it affects big. it affects people way outside of camp. It affects people and this is and this is something we talked about last year in terms of when I looked around the shooters this year. Like Strauss was someone that. Wasn't necessarily people's pick to win the shootout, so I'm they a, had a couple of good basketball. Players they had a couple good, you know, they had an LSH. Yeah, they had on LSH. They had Levy. Levy. I thought I my pick. I actually heard Strauss's name floating around for a while before the shootout. He was, he was like, he's that one guy who everybody says is so underrated, and because of that, he's, he's no longer yeah, underrated. It's true. He's like he's like a Keenan Allen type. Where I mean. Like, that Every was sort of that was sort of you though. That was like, sort of you though too. Right, people. Yeah, people said me as a dark horse. I think Strauss was Strauss was also like that, yeah. where people knew that like he's not. You wouldn't think of him first, but like when when you get up to the free throw line, it's not about basketball. And and the other crazy thing is that so Avi Pellet who shot in three for Cherokee, like this guy went twenty two for twenty three in the shootout. That was it. He won all four yeah, rounds. Yeah, he missed one. He missed one free yeah. throw in the entire shootout. Yeah, his Cherokee, uh, Cherokee was over probably two minutes after I showed up to the shootout. It was literally done, and like the other teams had yeah. two, were like two. I rounds was on OD at the K house, and I took yeah. the kids over, and Avi had already been up three nothing, and he was shooting for his fourth. Yes, it was unbelievable, it and was and that's the type of thing we're talking about when you see people like Avi. I mean, those people exist all the time. People that are just—he's an amazing basketball player. He's an amazing shooter. Just money he's all just around. stones, yeah. and yeah. he can hit it. And that's those are the type of people that are always going to exist in the three that existed back forty years ago in the three. It's the Jason Strauss type. It's the Dylan Chronicle type. Those types of people where they're not basketball players per se. They're this basketball is not their top sport, no, but they're able to practice. They have the mental game, and they're just able to shoot enough to the point where they become just as money as the Avi Pellet types. Right. Once you and, get the muscle memory, I think it's just if if you can if you can get the muscle memory and you can get. You can master the mental game. I think that's that's really all you need. You don't need to be a good basketball player. You don't like you don't even if the kids on your on your team for all the for all the little kids that are at camp listening, hopefully after the summer, like it has nothing to do with how many good basketball players there are on your team. It has nothing to do with how good you are at basketball. I mean, you think about your team. You beat out Aiden Rab and Ben Cohen right. in your own team to shoot the three. Like. Right. It's not necessarily about that, but I think that really... I was down 3-1 in the shootout to Ben, and then I remember I, I walked over to uh, I walked over to Apache, and I, and I said to Jason, Jason Greenberg, I was like, I'm not missing another free throw the, re- the rest of the shootout. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. I, I literally yeah. walked up to him, and I was like, I'm done with this whole missing thing. Yeah. I'm not really feeling it anymore. Yeah. And then, and then uh, the, next, the next three rounds... Uh, I hit in th- I hit. I did not miss the rest of the shootout, it's crazy. and 
like I think every round that I won went to OT. I think somebody took me to OT every time. That kept and happening to Strauss. And that OT. kept happening to Strauss. And I think that speaks to another point, which is that whether you, with Strauss, whoever, you know, the preconceived notions is, oh, it's a fluke, whatever. But Strauss kept getting the shootout. He kept getting taken to overtime. And he kept hitting in three. And right. somebody, you hit it in three enough where you're just like, this guy is just, like, he's not missing. Right. And then, and then once you get that good, like, you like, Strauss good, um, then, like, you in the shootout, you think like when you see somebody miss a shot, you're like, it's the door is wide open. Yeah, like, even one shot, you hit him one shot, you like... miss what you miss one, you miss one in the shootout. There's a very there's a good chance you lose. Yeah, and that's the point that the free throw shooting has gotten to. Like, I think yeah. almost almost like if you are going above five in the shootout, you might as well. You, like I think it's honestly better to just make the max out five at this point. I agree. That's because you're not point. winning if you're shooting over five anyway. Yeah, which anyway. is an unbelievable like thing, and I think that's when we compare eras and we talk about it. historically. Here's my next question. 19 was broken, so the fun fact about you, right, your older brother, you just mentioned, the, the oh, wait, you can tell this. Yeah, so, right, so Sabermetrics, stat yes, of the night. stat of the night. Um, so Kyle, uh, the 08, his waiter bunk had the record. I don't know the numbers, but I know that his waiter bunk had the record. Then in 2012, Jesse's bunk got out there. They broke the record. With 21. Right, they broke the record with 21. And we got up there. Went 19s and 19. And so and I was saying, like, next time it'll be broken is, like, when I have a kit. Like, yeah. We'll pass it down. Yeah. It's just the chronicle. But then, but, but I then think it speaks it also to the point where... These guys were just too good. I mean, six, 16 is a shattering of the 19 oh my record. God. Yeah. And my question is, do we think 16 can be broken? Because we asked this question last year with 19. We said it probably can be right. broken, but it's probably going to be years. The next year, it's not only broken, it's just destroyed. And by the way, Noodle went make, make, miss, make, make, make. If he were to make it, if he had made it and gone make, make, make instead of missing that third shot, we'd be sitting here talking about a 13. Like, it was that close right. to being 13. So I wonder, is 16? I think 16 can still be broken. I'm not sure what number can we say can't be broken. Like... Can there be a 12? I don't know. I mean, I think I think 16 with the era of, of, of lights out free throw shooting, I think 16 can definitely broken, be broken. I feel like I can see, like, instead of two threes and four and a six, I could, I could very easily see two threes and two fours or two threes and one four, one five. Um, I don't know. That's going to be tough. I'm going to call my shot here and say that the next, like, next year's waiter bunk is not going to break the record, but I think it's definitely doable. In the, in the next, in the next, in the next, yeah, definitely the next. Decade, I think like, the next three years will be broken. I, I probably agree, but I mean, I think it also speaks to something like you, the composure of people, and it's just the way they're able to just make their shots and not and keep their cool. I mean, when GP missed that first shot. I had like a moment of, oh no, so one other piece of context. So Bruno runs these kids through these drills. He ran it twice. He did it at night yeah. on day three, so the night before the relay. Right. He also ran them through some more drills right before the relay, like when the rest of the kids were on the terrace painting up. Right. He ran through some more drills. And first of all, I watched a round where they shot in 12. Like that that happens, right? Where right. all four guys, he goes out, he's like, B, that right. noodle runs out. like And he waits. And the funny thing about his clipboard too, just a fun fact, Bruno's clipboard, it's like B, dot, dot, C, 
dot 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 right, dot right right he like counts the beats dot, in oh. between and how, the, how long he's gonna call right, like so right. to simulate not everyone getting called at the same right, time right, right um that's a funny fact but and here was the weirdest part about that is bruno does that to try to make it as real as possible because he thinks that not everybody is going to yeah. get to go at the same time but our year if you same. remember it was the same we heard Oh, a million gravel steps. Yeah. And we were like, what, we were like, all four players on? were on the court, and all we yeah. hear is like immediately. It was like Cherokee, Apache, Blackfeet, Oneida. Well, right, it was literally all right, one after another. We shot it all at the same. I think time. one of the best spinning images for me of the relay every summer is the Baco three when you're waiting on the hill to shoot and you see like the emergence of the team and the runner and whoever's yeah. running. It's yeah. like it's like see, and then yeah. you see them coming out. Yeah. Uh, that's something to me, but it is funny how they all came at the same time. But anyways, my point about the Bruno camp is I watched him shoot in 12, and I was explaining it uh, to some new kids, like how the three worked and whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I see round, and GP hit in 21. And as we said before, Bruno's great about it because you hit it, you hit it, you hit it in three. He's like, listen, you guys are so ready. You hit it 21. He's like, that's great. You got it out of your system. Yeah, um, but that's the type of mindset you need to have. But he knows what to say. That you being have said, to go into the three, <laughs> thinking that you are the best free throw shooter of all time, even though, you, like, no. But did you have a did you ever have a bad round in Bruno Camp? No. But like, I wonder if that would rattle. You. I went. I think my highest in Bruno Camp was nine, I believe. Right. But um, I think Glatzer had a bad round or something, right? Like Glatzer went like fifteen once. Yeah. But obviously, it's Glatzer. It's, it's Glatzer, yeah. Like, it's a flick, yeah. yeah. But, but I do think that it is interesting. He hit it in 21, and then I'm wondering, like, he misses his first shot. And I'm like, How is, is this, is this going to be, play? like, is this going to be one of those right. meltdowns? Right. And he was the last shooter, for context. O was the last team to shoot. Right. So they got tagged last. So yeah. I was thinking, like, is this going to be one of those? But right. then it wasn't, and that's a thing that's a constant theme. Like, yep. you can say you wait for the breakdown. Uh, to keep happening, it just doesn't happen. I think a lot of people were expecting a Grant Panzer meltdown. I, I heard from I heard from multiple people saying he could be he could be screwed if he misses the first shot. And but, to his credit, he misses the first but, shot, and that's why and four he, is really he hard. He missed the first shot, and he made those people eat their words. Yeah, he he was locked. He was locked, was and you and you have before. to wonder. Yeah, I was talking to him before, I could see it in his eyes, like he was. And you, you have to wonder, and this is another example of the being locked, by the way, is that a fun fact, so Noodle was tagged by his younger brother, right. um, and on the way, in, oh, his God. brother was sprinting over, oh, God. and he had a complete wipeout. He tagged his brother, and he completely wiped out. I think out. that moment was one of the harder laughs I've had yeah. in probably in the past week. He's completely wiped out, so he as his older brother, yeah. it. And as his older brother is going for the biggest it moment was of his, so funny. his older brother's going for the biggest, the biggest moment of his big life, career, right, yeah. and meanwhile his brother is just on the ground. Oh my you know. god, it was but, so but, funny. But to keep the point about like the focus and the way that the bigger three, the seriousness and the weight it's taken with, you gotta give the older noodle credit. He didn't flinch. Right. He, he oh didn't my god. Flinch, no if reaction. I saw that. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like somebody sees that. I I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I think I. I would have started cracking yeah. up. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have been able to. Focus but he on kept his. Stuff. He kept his composure the same way that Grant kept right. his composure after he missed the first free throw. Right. It's that composure and that ability to 
stay locked in and it's all it takes. It's, it's mental. It's, it's mental. It's I I would say it's ninety five percent mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to make the shots too. Because once you get right, because once you get memory. to the point where you've by definition with a shootout with all the practice, you've self selected a group of people that are all like really really good free throw shooters. So it's in some ways it's not even about as much. The shooting, I mean, obviously, it mainly it is the shooting, but everyone is at a point where they're such good shooters right. that it comes out in the mental game, and the mental game is something that's really been worked on. And so I do wonder, I think we will see 16 broken eventually. Right, and, and that's sometimes when you see the good basketball players don't win is when it comes down to the mental game because yeah. they'll, they'll have something over you because they're more skilled if, you're, if they're a basketball player and you're not. So they'll have that, but if you can outclass them in the mental game, then that's honestly really all that matters. I agree, and I'll leave you with this question. If the Baco 3 is shot this well every summer, does it, I don't want to say devalue the event, but does it make it so that it's less important to the actual relay? Because right, we're talking about the Baco 3 as though it's a separate event. It's in the middle of the relay. Does it devalue the event when essentially the Baco 3 was, you know, no more... Have no more or less impact on it than mummy wrap or canoeing or making the bed or because everyone's gotten so good. Are we reaching the point where yeah, someone could botch the same way anyone could? Someone could tip a canoe or drop a rock when they're right, swimming. Right. Has it gotten to the point where people are so good at the Baco Three that the event itself, while of course outside externally, it's still so valued and part of camp tradition within right. the relay itself? Has it lost some level of importance that people are this good at? I think. I, I would say no, only because there is, the possibility is still there that you could completely melt down and anybody on any given day could shoot in 50 or shoot in 100. Sure. And I think because of that, I don't think that because people are better now, I don't think, I don't think it devalues it. I think, if anything, it puts just a higher amount of pressure on the shooters because, yeah, because so if well. they want to... If they want to be in the record books as like knowing that they did something, like they did something huge, like you got to be completely on your game. Like there's, there's like I don't I don't know a way to, I don't know a way to describe it. Like there there's not much there's not much more room left at the top. Yeah, like, it feels like everybody's at the top of the mountain right now because everybody and and there's more pressure because you shoot it in eight or nine. All of a sudden, you and might all have... of a sudden it's not even that good anymore. Yeah. Like, and by the way, if you shoot in 10, 11, 12, like, and the other guys are all shooting three and four, now you've cost your team in the relay because right. you're falling behind. So I do think there's still an element of it. It's just I happened to notice when we were wa- as we were watching it the other day, like everyone was in and out in under a minute. Right. Yeah. Everybody is so good. I just think the 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 amount of risk and the the, the possible downside makes it for still such such an important event. I don't I don't know if. I'll ever think it's not the most important. It is the most important. I think it has to be. And it will always be that event that's on the big stage and that everybody cares about. And watches and remembers the scores. Right, and remembers the score. And I think that, for me, was what made it such a privilege to shoot it for me is because I know that, that... that the Baco three isn't going anywhere. That's that's why I thought it was such an honor is because I don't think it'll it'll devalue over time, just because just because shooters are shooters are better. Um, but yeah, that's 
No, I listen, I agree. Well, I think that it was an incredible 16. Obviously, we'll see if it gets broken again. But it was just something that really felt, like, amazing to just see the kids. And obviously, they're all so happy. Yeah. It's really like oh, a culminating yeah. waiter bunk event. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. the whole relay is. But shooting yeah. the three, breaking the yeah. record as a bunk. And after, like, it has nothing. At the end of the day, it has nothing to do with your team. Like, you get put on a team because of yeah. your personality. Or whatever, but, yeah. But, like, you know, like, it at the end of the day, like, like Isaac Ares was one of my biggest like supporters throughout the three. I remember like he was one of the last ones to come and hug me before I shot it because he like even though we were on a different team like he cared so much yep. and like that's what makes it like a culminating moment is because like we are like the people that shoot it are like repping for the bunk. Yes. And obviously the bunk mates want each other to do, to do well because we all love each and each no other one so wants much. to see and and it's really like no one ever wants to see a meltdown of course not no matter the it's, team it's you te- never, it's you never want to see brutal. that it's you never brutal. want to see that it like you never want to see that happen to one of your boys but in the end if it does happen all the boys will rally around yeah. them and and i'm sure like it it can't possibly like lose you that much like it, it can obviously but i think it's it's a thing where, like, if you do badly, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be. And I mean, a it's also where, just like, great. Where, everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, you lost it!" Right? Like, you lost. And it. it's just but, you see. I mean, listen, sixteen this year, seventeen year olds. Like, it's a great age to try to rise to that pressure, rise to that moment. Yeah. And it's a great age to see like what you can do when you're under the pressure, and yeah. that one score is gonna last with you. So I think it's really great to see, and hopefully it keeps going. I mean, right. who knows how much lower we can push it? Right. You love to see the kids yeah. doing Succeeding. well yep. because that because you know that they will hold that very forever. tightly forever. Yeah. So it like as you it do, may, right. right as I do. Like I I I got I got my ball framed. Uh, really? In a, in a glass case, like a week before camp, actually, yeah. Really, that's cool. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Well, Chronic, thank you for an outstanding appearance. Obviously, thank you so much. Hidden three. I enjoyed and thank you guys very much for listening to this episode of Live from Lake Balfour podcast. We'll be back later this summer. We're not quite done yet. Got a few more days as we wrap things up. I'm Eddie Washerman signing off, and we will see you next time on the Live from Lake Balfour podcast.